0: Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Timothy Plain. And I'm Ulrich Brussel. This week, uh, it's episode 40, so guess what? We got a special guest today. We have Lisa Donato with us. Say hi, Lisa. Hi, guys. And uh, Lisa is a filmmaker from Austin. She knows Ulrich. I yes. don't know Lisa, although we did record an episode yesterday with Lisa, which I'm just going to say was a conversation that we had was like a pre-interview.
1: It based well and is now a pre-interview. It wasn't originally a pre-interview. It was originally the episode <laughs> and we had some technical difficulties unfortunately and so now we're going to be we're doing it again. So yeah. if this sounds I don't know, if we make jokes or references that don't make sense, it's because we had a conversation that you guys can't hear, unfortunately. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So why don't
1: you set it up, Ulrich? Why did you choose Lisa to be on the show? How do you
0: guys know each other? All that fun stuff.
1: Well, I've known Lisa for a few years. um, And uh, basically, uh, she used to work at the production company I used to work at. And then that's how we met um, originally. In San Francisco? In... Berkeley. Or Berkeley. Yeah, Berkeley, San Francisco that. Bay Area. And, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to help her out a little bit with one of her short films and worked with her on some other projects and, you know, like kind of, uh, yeah, just talked as filmmakers and uh, she's very talented. And, um, you know, I just thought that she'd be the perfect person to come on and, and talk about her struggles because... Uh, I don't know. She's uh doing some pretty awesome things and uh, I think uh we can all learn from what she's she's been going through. So I that's why she's here. When
0: you told me about Lisa what excited me the most was that she had tried the LA thing and then moved to San Francisco <laughs> afterwards.
1: Right. That was always interesting cuz um yeah, she she'd come from LA before going to to the Bay Area. And so, yeah, that, that was that is exciting. So I don't know. I think Lisa, it's time for you to take it away and introduce yourself and talk to you, talk about, you know, the films you've made, where you are, and uh, who you are.
2: Okay. Well, thanks for having me again, guys. Um, I am Lisa Donato. I was born and raised in Montana, and always had a dream to be a filmmaker, uh, specifically director. And I. Um, Took the safe route in Montana um, based on some really, really bad advice that I got in high school and got a marketing degree and went into corporate America. (laughs) Wait,
0: wait, hold on. I got to ask you about that. (laughs) Somebody told you to get a marketing degree because they knew you could make money with it?
2: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Even though you knew you wanted to be a filmmaker.
2: Yeah, a a filmmaker. I wanted to write. I was very creative. I had a lot of... I used to present... All of my reports on storyboards before I knew what storyboards were. I just cut out magazine pictures and put them on big poster boards. And <laughs> that's how I could communicate my ideas. And
0: yeah. And then somebody said, you know how you can make a living with this? Marketing.
2: Advertising. Marketing. Advertising. Yeah. <laughs> Selling jock straps to millions.
0: <laughs> that makes me feel guilty. Okay. Go, yeah. go on.
2: Yeah. So I. Did what every lost storyteller in Montana did, which was go to plan B, um, and got a marketing degree, graduated from Montana State University, uh, moved to Denver, went right into producing for national brands uh, at a very, very corporate level, but had a great job, managed crews um, to fly around and produce big photography shoots. Uh, for marketing campaigns for Nike, Under Armour, Columbia, North Face, lots of brands like that, sporting, sporting goods brands. And uh, I think my team, my teams at the time got so sick of me turning every meeting into uh, a music video or a talent show or <laughs> award ceremony that they pushed me to kind of make take the leap and move to, to LA to pursue my dreams. So I finally did. And moved to Los Angeles, in kind of the beginning of 2012, end of 2011, and
0: wait, let's stop, let stop the yeah, story there yeah. for a second. Like in thinking of like going to Los Angeles, like what were your hopes and dreams? You're like, I'm gonna go to LA, and we're like, and within a year, I'm gonna be famous.
2: Yes, I definitely. <laughs> I Los Angeles was very much the the fantasy land for me. I, I thought that I would go there and. All of my dreams would come true, and that's how everybody talks about it and that's how it always felt to me and that's what you oh see in the God, movies yeah.
0: that's <laughs> all the stories you hear too. You always hear the stories from the people that are successful in l a right exactly
1: yeah. and had you made any like short films or any video projects in Montana at all on your own, or had you just just been doing the marketing stuff?
2: nothing yeah i didn't have i really didn't have time i was I was working my ass off and mm. at my job so No, I had no experience in video production. It was pretty much all photography producing at a
1: corporate level. Mm. So you got to L.A., you're bright-eyed, you're excited, you're ready to take (laughs) life by the balls. And then what happened?
2: Well, one of the things I did that helped me move out there is I partnered with a company I used to work with. And so they were able to keep me financially uh, stable for a while. And then I went on mandy.com, which is a place where you go find crew gigs in, in LA. It's in other places too, but it, it feels like it functions the best in Los Angeles and Craigslist and anywhere where I could find basically free to low paying gigs where I could just walk on set and, and learn whatever. And I, I did that as much as possible and
0: did that work? Did Mandy and Craigslist work?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it did. And not always. I mean, I think I got one out of ten gigs that I applied for. Because I had zero experience in what I was applying mm. for.
0: So and let me just ask some more questions about this because I've never I've never heard of this as a way to like get crew gigs. Are these good for just like free and low-paying jobs or and then the idea is that once you build up relationships and people kind of move up in in the world of film that the the pay gets higher and higher and word of mouth spreads and people are like, oh, you should check out Lisa. She's really great.
2: I think that's... that how it works? Yes, that's one way to to work with it. But there are options in the website that say non-paid, low pay, or I think it's standard pay or industry standard pay. Oh,
0: so there's even regular pay.
2: Yeah, so you can filter it based on your experience level and then... Mm -hmm that's that's what i did and and there was this one team that found some funding who did this web series called Crowned, and they hired me as first assistant director and
0: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> i literally I, I literally the night before i went to work was googling first assistant director <laughs> oh, i had funny. no idea what i was I in that. for and I,
1: yeah, I, I mean, you do?
2: I it was just a synchro swim experience, and I had an amazing director, and I, I was honest with him. I was like, "Look, this is this is my first AD gig." <laughs> <laughs> and, wow! And he was he was really cool, and he 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 showed me you know the ropes, and he kind of mentored me, and um, and I picked it up um, pretty fast. I mean, it was. My heart was racing, and it was it was scary shit. But
1: after yeah. two or
2: three <laughs> days, I kind of figured out what you know I boss people around and tell them what to do. <laughs> um, I figured it out.
1: Yeah, well, actually, I had a similar experience when I first got started. I I took a really low paying job as a first AD on a on a feature out of oh college and I didn't know what a first AD did either I thought I did uh but uh I kind of yeah isn't it
0: one of like those elusive jobs that you don't you <laughs> kind of hear the name and you just kind of imagine like oh it's a stepping stone to becoming a director
1: but you don't really know what, yeah. what a first yeah. AD does I just remember my first day on set um I had like you know I had prepped for like two weeks on this thing and like that help find locations and I was like Helping with all this stuff. I was kind of doing more producer type things, but I, I didn't really know the difference between that and being an AD because I was just kind of learning it. Um, and then, and scheduling the shoot and doing everything, you know? And then I remember getting to, <laughs> to the set and A, forgetting to tell the crew where to park and B, forgetting to work, think about bathrooms, uh, for the <laughs> shoot. And I'm being like, <laughs> like oh shit, like I don't have a place really for anyone to go to the bathroom, and I didn't really tell people where to park correctly. And then I was like, day two, I was like, okay, well those are the things I n- need to make sure that that we have. It was a, it was a huge learning experience,
2: massive, massive learning. That's experience. funny to hear that you had the
1: same thing. Like yeah, yeah. first AD job with no experience.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah. how did you feel after that first? First job there in LA that you were like, "This is it! I'm doing it! I'm gonna make it!"
2: Yeah, well, it was a it was a long job. I think we had five or six shooting days, and so I think on my third day I felt like that, and then on my fourth day, you know, these are these are 14 hour shooting mm-hmm. days, and it was not. It was very low pay. I think it was zero to low. I can't remember, but right. I I got a little. by the end of it just because it was seriously it was really intense but um
0: what how did you feel are you just like i don't know if this is right for me did i really make the right decision like do i really want to do filmmaking
2: i think it was more i'm not sure this position is right for me um, The first because it, it felt like a lot of it kind of felt similar to what i was doing in denver in my role uh as a producer, really. And I and I wanted to be in a creative role. So like if I this is a thing about Los Angeles that I learned while I was out there, is that, you know, one of the the downfalls is that if you go out and say you are a director or you are a sound recordist or a first A D, in that network you're kind of known as that. And it's hard to it feels like it it's hard to break out of that role Mm -hmm. for a while. Yeah. No. Um, So I didn't want to be known as a first AD. I wanted to be known as, as something more creative in creative leadership.
1: I've heard that about LA a lot that like, you know, they put you in a box and like whatever you first get introduced as you kind of stay as that. And that's sort of what I had this huge thing for a long time. Like I wanted to move to LA, but I didn't want to move to LA as a PA because I didn't want to become a PA in LA, you know? Uh, and then, uh, well, I didn't move to LA, but, uh, basically I had this whole like (laughs) thought that like, that was like something I wanted to avoid at all costs, you know, and I wanted to walk into LA with like a feature under my belt and be like, I'm a filmmaker, damn it. You know? Right. Start, start from the top. Right. Right.
2: Yeah. Actually, I had a, a great, uh, a friend and mentor at Studio B Films. Uh, Jane, she, she told me a piece of advice. She said, you know, because I, I kept telling her I wanted to be a director, I want to be a director, and I, I wasn't sure how to be a director. But she she told me, she said, you know, just say you're a director and everything mm-hmm. else will follow.
1: Right, right. And so
2: I tried that on for a little bit, you know, and, and I think that's when I made my first short film and directed it. And it felt so natural. And, 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 and really, everything did follow after I kind of just announced it you know, like, I'm having a baby, or I'm a director.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think announcing it is important, and owning it, because I know, like, sometimes you get really embarrassed to be like, oh, I'm just like everybody else, I'm a director, I want to direct movies, but I think owning it is important, and then I also think just doing it, too, right? If you just make movies, then that's what people are going to know you as. But you
0: you didn't say that you were a director in LA at all, you didn't make that decision until later, right?
2: No, no, because I still wasn't a hundred percent sure i wanted to go director route yet i i was writing a lot Uh and um uh, i actually got a degree in in writing as creative writing as well so writing is a path that i love and i didn't really know that you could be a writer and director i kind of thought you you just did one thing Uh so once i realized i could do both of those and all was well yeah, I was wondering, like,
0: if you if in LA you say I'm a director, if it's harder to make a living as that person. Like, there's always crew positions. It seems like you can get paid for, but getting paid as a director seems like it's a really hard hurdle to overcome.
2: It feels very competitive because yeah. everyone
0: wants to be a director, right? Yes, uh huh. At least when they first graduate film school, it seems.
1: Yeah, and even then, like you, you know, you meet people on on the set, and like you know, I would say at least fifty percent to more of them. All want to be directors, you know. Like they're like, oh, I'm doing this, but I really, my, I really love directing. (laughs) I'm doing this, you know, like whatever. Yeah, I'd be curious to
0: talk to someone who's tried to just like land in LA and say I'm a director and see how they made it work for themselves. Maybe (laughs) you just have to be rich, and you just have to put your own productions together. But I
2: think, (laughs) I think you can do that anywhere. I mean, I think you know if you have the will and a great idea, or any idea, or a shitty idea. You know anything? Just doing it, like Allrick said, is is really important. You know, and I think I found my success as being a paid director is hustling after my own jobs, mm-hmm. and you know, learning wherever I can, get, finding small businesses, medium businesses, nonprofits. Say, hey, you need a video? This is this is an idea for you. Um, my company is going to make it. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, you're hustling after your own stuff, and
0: I think there's some people, and probably I'll, I'll go ahead and put myself into this camp that they say I want to be a, a director of like feature films or narrative films, or you know, like I don't want to do marketing or corporate videos or you know, but you're, yeah. I, <laughs> how do you make a living? <laughs> how do you make a living as a narrative filmmaker? Like it's, uh, and I don't know if there is a way to, to really do this, and it seems like a lot of people end up getting paid through companies to, to make stuff because that's the, how they can sustain themselves and then they make their creative projects on the side. But do you think that there's a way that people that just want to tell stories and, and don't want to go after yeah. corporate dollars or business dollars can make it happen?
2: I, I think so. I mean, I, I think that that's a path that I am pursuing right now. I think, and it's it's happening very slowly. You know, after I made my first short film, everything has snowballed from that. And people have walked into my life that I never knew existed before I made this film and said, I believe in you. I believe in your talent. Here's $10,000 to make this short film. You know, but people
0: are just handing you money. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, my gosh. I
2: mean, it really, <laughs> people have walked, you know, have believed i I have been fortunate enough where people have believed in me and witnessed you know maybe my passion or have worked with me in some in some regard and invested in me to make other projects everything after sugar hiccup sugar hiccup was my first film that I made in in the bay, and it's completely self funded everything after that has been people investing into my projects.
1: All right. Yeah, that's like pretty amazing. Living the dream. Yeah. We, we wish we could say that. Um, we, we're still self-funding our own projects.
2: I mean, there's self-funding <laughs> involved to, to, you know, help and contribute, you know, when I want to do a cool animation for the title sequence, I'm going to kick somebody 250 bucks to, to help me, you know, I mean, right. there's, it's not right. totally, you know, I, I get help. I get a chunk of help for sure. And, yeah,
1: I know I'm yeah. in the right direction. Oh, we understand yeah. that. Don't worry. Yeah. No, we know that you're still putting your blood, <laughs> yeah. sweat, tears in your own, you know, every, but I mean, even like being able to say that anyone's giving you any money um, to, to go put towards a short film or whatever, that's pretty amazing, you know, because I mean, yeah, that's just not the reality. Well, for me, really.
0: <laughs> and I think no. for a lot of people. Well, let's go back to your story in LA. So you've, you just finished this first AD job. And how many shoot days was that? Did you say?
2: I think total it was five or six shoot days. Yeah.
0: Okay. So end of six, let's say six yeah. shoot days, and your question—you're starting to question whether or not this is the right role for you. What's your next step? What do you? My next do you step
2: do? was to pursue the creative route. So I found an organization <laughs> out there called the Writing Pad, and this was my refuge. This was an incredible, it was, it's basically just a, a writing group, but they offered classes and meant gave you mentors. And I, <laughs> I wrote my first script and pitched it in a class in a screenwriting class. And mm-hmm. man, I've had a lot of really bad mentors as, as, as well as good mentors, but the first screenwriting teacher that I had out there, I pitched this script And it was called Brainstorm. And it was basically about a woman who has depression. I mean, it it was probably a really bad idea, but, and she brainstorms her way out of it, like doing, it was a comedy. Mm. And so it was a play on words, whatever. And I pitched it to the class, and he told me, he's like, nobody wants to watch a movie about depression. This is a horrible idea. And (laughs) I was just, oh, I'd never returned after that to that class. And then I ended up, Taking a different class and uh, started doing personal essay writing and and started getting published and started pitching magazines and and publications and got really I got semi successful in that in that field, so I learned I got my writing ch- I learned how to I, I learned how to find my voice in a creative space mm-hmm. by taking all of these writing classes and and I was addicted I took tons of them and. Found a great mentor and and gave me a lot of confidence.
0: Uh, how were you making money at this time while you were just when you are writing? So
2: I was still producing part-time for these kind of corporate gigs. So the, photography the photography stuff, stuff that you yeah. had from. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, you went awesome. back to it. Yeah, I was doing a very little, uh, maybe 10 to 15 hours a week.
1: And did you attempt at all to, like, get a, your own short film done in L.A. at all? Did you try to, like, get a crew together and, and start that process? Or were you still kind of far away from no, that? No,
2: I, I didn't know that was possible. I didn't, yeah, oh, okay. I just, I couldn't, I didn't have the ability to fund something like that. I didn't have the confidence. I, I didn't really know, you know, everything I knew, know now about video production.
0: So when did you decide to leave LA and why did you choose San Francisco?
2: Well, I, I chose San Francisco kind of on a whim. I, I went to vacation there one weekend. Uh, I have some family out there and I was seduced by the golden gate bridge. And I just, I was so tired of LA and and the rat race and the, the competition. I was feeling very isolated out there and, San Francisco just felt like this beautiful refuge. And so I, my partner and I at the time, or we're still together, I don't know why I just said at the time. Yeah, we went out there, we both have family out there and we just said, let's let's just move. And we ended up moving four months later. <laughs> so we were in San Francisco. I applied for Studio B Films for a position. I got it and it just helped the move so much.
1: Did you apply for the job before you left L.A. or while you, after you came here? We were staying
2: with, uh, we did move, but we were living basically out of storage and with family in San Francisco. And so we were kind of not Mm. really sure where we wanted to be and if we wanted to stay there because it was so expensive. So I applied for that job at Studio B and then stayed.
0: Nice. Awesome. And how did San Francisco feel compared to L.A. within like the first six months? Oh, it was
2: it felt magical. It felt like I was, I took a a giant deep breath for the first time in two years.
1: Yeah. And, and did you find it easier to collaborate and get projects done in the Bay area?
2: Yeah. So working at a video production company, that's where I met my crew. (laughs) So seeing a project go through the entire cycle, which I had never seen before in a video way, you know, I didn't understand how much went into post-production and I was kind of helping produce post-production jobs and it was so much incredible learning for me i was like i'm ready to make my first short film so basically Mm. everybody from that studio helped me you know and donated their time
0: there is kind of like this leap of like how something gets made that you don't totally understand when you're i think when you're first starting out it does really help to put yourself in a position where you can see how it's done I know, like, for me, like, I work in in advertising and I watched how TV commercials get made and seeing it happen from, like, script all the way to, like, delivery to a TV station. Just, it's it's so obvious now when I see it, but I, I do know, like, or remember, like, when I'm younger, like, not totally understanding the whole process or, like, what everyone on a crew does and just seeing yeah. it come together is, like, a really important
1: thing. Right. I remember a time where I, like, thought I knew what everything was Oh yeah, and <laughs> I was like, okay, well I've made videos before I'm top shit. Like I know how to make a movie. I know how to do this and that. And then I, I felt that way walking into studio B when I w- w- applied for my internship there and I got the internship. And then as soon as I was in there, it was like, Oh shit. Like there's so <laughs> much more to this than I have any idea of how things are done, you know? Yeah. And then I suddenly quickly felt like a very small like, I had very little knowledge, you know, and I had so much to learn. And then from there, you just learn and you grow and you grow and you grow. And then being on my first big budget film set as a PA, then, like, seeing how that goes, I was like, oh, oh, my God. I feel like you never <laughs> lose
0: that feeling of feeling like you never – you don't know anything. Right. Like, true. every time I feel like I know everything, something happens where I'm like, oh, my right. God. I know nothing. Which I
2: think is, is the best place to be for creation, Right? Is to live on that edge of uncertainty. Because I feel like some of the best things get produced when, when you don't know what you're doing. When you're, when you're taking risks or uncomfortable.
0: I think that sometimes some, like the best thing that's happened when people are naive <laughs> right. and they
1: just don't know any better. <laughs> right. When you, when you don't know like how hard or how crazy a thing is that you're trying yeah. to do and you're just like, this is going to work because I believe in it so much. And, and you don't really know yeah. why it's a, it's crazy or why it's too hard or exactly. And you just yeah. go after it and then yeah.
0: you look back on you like, man was I stupid yeah. and dumb. I'm glad that but it's out. still
2: scary. I feel like it's still scary to, to not know.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's like, if you don't feel uncomfortable, I feel like you're not growing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if it just feels like you're just doing the same thing that you've already done, and you're like, just kind of moving through it and feeling just really comfortable, I just don't think that anything's going on inside. So like that, that first AD position where you just said you were just so scared
1: you probably learn more from that than you learn from a lot of other things.
2: <laughs> oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah, sometimes being it's, it's 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 yeah, sometimes being under pressure is really great cuz then like you can rise to the occasion and if you're around the right people, they'll help you, you know. But uh
0: I feel like the the things in my life that have been like the hardest to achieve and have been like the most scary moments and I just feel like I just want to quit and run away from it. If I make it through that, I always feel so much stronger on the other side. And it just, it makes me feel like I can do anything. And those are the, those are the moments that help me grow. The ones where I feel comfortable, you know, I, I don't really remember. And I don't think they do much for me.
2: I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Looking back, I I took so many risks with my first short film. And (laughs) it's such a love-hate relationship now because I'm (laughs) like, why did I do all of that? But it was also some of the most rewarding work I've ever done. You know, and it's Mm -hmm. it's still touring film festivals, and it's such a such a masterpiece.
1: And it's going to be out for us to see soon, right? Maybe, hopefully, yes, online, maybe. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) I've been like, because I I think you asked me some questions about how I released my movie, like maybe a year ago or something Mm -hmm. like that. It was I don't know, and I was like, oh, she's going to release her movie, and then like I just you know before you came on the show, I looked (laughs) to see if there was anything online. And it still wasn't online and I was just like, What why the hell isn't Sugar Hiccup online? Like it should be online. Like, we need to see this movie. Like I mean I've seen it, but everybody should be able to see yeah. it, you know? Well,
2: maybe. <laughs> it's it's playing <laughs> it's playing one last big festival in LA on March thirty first, the Holly Shorts at the Chinese theater. Okay. And so I was oh, wow. I was kind of thinking that I might release it on that day. And so if people like it, they can, you know, because when I see really great short films at a festival, the first thing I do is Google for that short film because I want to show, I want to share with my friends. I think it's kind of crazy that a lot of festivals say don't have your work online before this festival because People are not gonna remember that short film six months later. They're gonna remember it right after oh, no. a festival and they're gonna wanna share it. Yeah. That's
1: my that's what I've been that's what I've been saying and we've been saying uh for a while, you know. And like we were at a film festival with our one of our movies, Over My Dead Body, that I produced and Timothy directed, and uh we were on the panel and we were like you know, trying to like promote the release of the movie that was going to happen on Monday. And then like every other filmmaker on the panel was like, Oh, we don't know when our movie is going to be available. We don't know when our movie is going to be able- be available. And we're like, we do, we do. Yeah. It's going to be available right Monday. Right Watch right it. <laughs> and we yeah. looked
0: into all the festival rules and every festival that we applied to, um, didn't have any online. What do you, what is that called?
1: Online restrictions. Or yeah. Whatever, online restrictions.
0: Or like you could post it online in the, When I first started making short films, that wasn't the case, that you couldn't put it online
1: until after it played at the festival. But nowadays, I I don't think they care. Yeah. And I think almost no only festivals that care are like South by Southwest and maybe Sundance and Austin. And I don't even Tribeca think, maybe. I don't think even Sundance yeah. cares. So I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's sort of going away now, you know, and I think filmmakers are still really scared to, to put it online. You know, it just feels like that's still part of the plan is to do the festival circuit, then release it online. And, and I'm basically trying to, to not do that, you know, and just, you know, release it, like put it in a film festival and then release it same yeah. day. Yeah, know? that
2: seems like a great strategy. Are you going to do that with
1: Brother? Yeah, so um, if I have makes I'm, it into a film festival. I'm, I, I I'm Well, shit, I haven't told you guys. What? You so, did? So <laughs> I made it into a film festival. Which one? Uh, it's going to uh, premiere at the Oakland International Film Festival nice. at the Grand Lake Theater on uh, Thursday, April 7th. Awesome. Um, yeah, which is fantastic, and I'm going to release it the same day, I've decided. Uh, I haven't actually confirmed that with uh, my star, Capone, yet, but I'm pretty sure he's going to be on board with whatever I want to do. Um, Congratulations. And then, this is enough. Unaf- Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited, and I'm so excited that I get to... It's like, the Grand Lake Theater is my favorite theater. I see yeah, every movie that's there. a great
0: premiere for you. Uh,
1: and it's going to be in the main room, you know, so... It's, uh, it's gonna be, I, cause Strange Thing played there last year, and that was like one of the, you know, I, no one could, like, everyone had already seen the movie at that point. Like, so none of the crew showed up, none none of my friends showed up, my wife couldn't even go. So I was just like in the Grand Lake Theater, almost by myself, watching my movie with like maybe 30 other people. And I mean, and that was pretty amazing right there. But I'm gonna try to make this like the cast and crew premiere. So hopefully just pack the theater with every, single person in the world that I know and then, like, do, like, a thing where I hand out, um you know, flyers or cards beforehand that have the link and, like, maybe a QRC code to the link on there. And so everyone can, like, tweet and Facebook and share the link, like, in the theater right after they watch the movie, you know, and just have it, like, be online at that same moment and then hopefully get some local press to write about it also just cause like I made it in Oakland and you know, it's got a diverse cast and all these things. So I'm really hoping that's going to help uh, push it out into yeah. the world. Yeah. That's cool. That's yeah. perfect. Lisa, yeah. what's what,
0: why are you hesitating to put your movie online?
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> Honestly, I, I just feel like I said, it's a love hate relationship with the film. It's,
0: you're embarrassed by I,
2: it. I'm not embarrassed. I am just, I'm, I'm, I am fearing, uh, the criticism, maybe, um, the, per, the performance. How many
1: film festivals did it play at?
2: It's played at just over 40. How,
1: oh my gosh. Okay. So what the hell are you talking <laughs> about? What criticism could you possibly be scared own, of? It's my
2: it's just it's it's crazy making. I know. It's okay. I I am going to work through this fear with you guys by my side <laughs> and we are going to hold hands and release it together.
0: Well yeah, wait. What do you yeah. what's the worst case scenario? Like where you where would you put it on? Like Vimeo? Is that where Vimeo, it would Yeah, yeah.
2: That's that's oh, pretty much where Vimeo I it. Oh. The Vimeo
0: community is so it's open very supportive, and, yes. and accepting and supportive. If you put it on YouTube, you're going to get a lot of crazy comments, yeah. but Yeah. Vimeo is great. It's like, just, you're going to have such a yeah. good experience. I would just rip the bandaid off. Ugh. This podcast goes live on Monday. I would have it up before we go live on Monday so people
1: can go find it. It's, you, <laughs> know, you know what it is? That's my recommendation. giving enough time to really promote it. It's Come on, right. Natsunthi. She needs that's to do that's her the promotion. Thing, that's, the,
2: that's the piece that <laughs> I think keeps me paralyzed in, in not doing anything because it's performance anxiety. So it's not just putting it out, just hitting it. Hitting a button that says "make it public" is like everything that goes into, you know, making people aware that it's public now. So finding the right groups. Uh, my
0: feeling is, is like you've already you've already done the. The release. It's played at forty film festivals. So the online thing is just putting it out there, so people who saw it at film festivals can find it. You don't have to I mean, do a big online push now. Like your online push should well, have been. She should
1: do a big. Online I think push your online. She has so much resources. But I think your online push should have
0: been while you were doing the festivals. Now it's so it's. Uh, this is going to sound negative, but it's not. Like it's so old that. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how long it's it's online before you start reaching out to people. Right. Like it can be online, and you can start doing. You can start planning your online push. You don't have to do some big online premiere. It doesn't doesn't I, have to I be. I think a the thing.
1: online premiere makes a difference, I and I don't know if this is actually true or not. But this is like some stigma that I have. Like I kind of feel like. When you release it, the day it comes out, like the, the amount of hits you get on the first day, I don't know if it really matters, but I, I kind of feel like it might matter. Um, so I still feel like driving people towards one day is important. But I mean, the thing with, with your movie is you get, you've get you got 40 film festivals behind you, basically. So if you email all 40 of those film festivals, they'll all talk about your movie when it comes out. So they'll, they'll all post it to their social media campaigns, their websites, their Twitter. Facebook, everything. So like if you hit up all those people and you tell them it's releasing on this specific date, will you please share it, whatever, whatever, you're gonna get forty film festivals to do that, plus all your friends, plus your network, plus you're gonna get at least ten articles written about it in various websites, plus you're gonna <sighs> get it on Short of the Week, plus you're gonna get it on Film Shortage, plus you're gonna get it on <laughs> A Nicole News. You're gonna have it on everywhere I that love first your enthusiasm. week. And, and you're just gonna fucking <laughs> Can I bottle kill it. it up. You're and- gonna kill it. <laughs> Sell it. I just, it's just like we, we did all those things minus the 40 film festivals. And, you know, our movie has like a hundredth of the, of the momentum <laughs> that your film does. So I feel like I you, you're, if you, if you just do those things and and ever and like you know just put the energy behind it you're just going to you're going to kill it and the holly shorts uh a, a friend of mine had a movie play there and i i heard it was like a fantastic film festival like an amazing experience and they're super supportive with with um you know online support and and everything so if you work with them and you say i'm going to premiere my my film online the same Mm. day that it plays at your film festival, they'll probably get behind you and help with support as well. So, and then you have all the LA media that you can play off as well. Cause I know that they get some media support from different, um, like, you know, newspapers out there. So you just, you have everything working in your favor right now. So, I love the idea that you already want to release it on that day, but I feel like it starts now to start the promotion to get it ready. I need that. Right. I need like you know? I need we could we could have everyone,
0: everyone who listens to this show be like tweeting out about it. <laughs> all right, <laughs> all guys. ten people.
1: Fine. <laughs> well, the, the the sad truth is, unless you hire somebody, you're really the only one who's gonna be able to do right. it. Um, you know, which is like sucky, but that's sort of. But the I mean, that's why that I think in, that like you I need
0: think. to. You need to let go and not, not worry too much about. The online premiere, like you've, you've, this movie's done. You've I love already, it. you've already, you've already finished it. Like move on to the next project. Man. You're,
1: but, but, but I mean, but she can get it to be, she, imagine she could probably, if she did it right, I think she could get a hundred thousand views. See, maybe she it. doesn't Do want a hundred thousand
0: people true.
2: to see right, it. Maybe exactly. she wants
0: to keep it quiet. No,
2: but doing it right, that, that's the key word. That's the key There's phrase. no right way.
0: Alverk <laughs> and I did it right on Over My Dead Body and got like 2,000 people to see it. So don't worry about doing it right. Just get it out there. Because I clicked, I tried to click watch your movie and I can't watch it without a password. And that sucks because I want to know more about you yeah. and I can't see it.
1: Yeah, it's true. Like just because we had Colin Levy on the podcast, as we mentioned earlier. And, and like he has like what, like 100,000 views on one of his movies or 150. And it's like a Vimeo staff pick and all that stuff. And so we were like, you know, like really excited to ask him, like, how did you release your movie? How would it go? And he was just like, I just put it on Vimeo. And that was it. <laughs> did it get did a staff pick?
2: Else.
1: And yeah, and he didn't do any promotion or anything. He just put it on Vimeo and he got wow, a staff that's pick, cool. and and then off to the races. So it's just like it's it's funny to hear that you know you put all the marketing and like like prep to it like we did for Over My Dead Body and get two thousand views, and then you know on the other hand you do nothing right. and you get uh, a yeah. hundred thousand. Right. So it know. really comes it's down.
0: Like, it's geez. it's more about the quality of your piece than it is about anything else. And so the right way to do it is you just choose a day to premiere it and you get as many people to t- talk about as you
1: can, yeah. but you're never going to feel like you've done enough. Yeah. You're
0: always going to feel still like think, you can
1: do more. But putting the work into it is still really important just because it didn't work for us. Doesn't mean it doesn't, yeah. not going to work. I mean, for I'll put, else. I'll put
2: the work into it no matter what, because that's just, that's part of what I do. And I think, yeah, I just, I got, I got to set aside time and just do, I love how this is turning into, uh, motivational <laughs> session for, I don't have to go to therapy this week thank you so much guys
0: yeah that's what this podcast
2: saving, is all saving about some money. therapy
0: for filmmakers <laughs>
1: Yeah, we, we basically provide each other our own filmmaking therapy every every week. That's like right. the whole yeah.
0: point. I feel basically. inspired. So Lisa, we sent you an email asking you what you're struggling with, and you gave us like three things that you you are. Like, do you want to talk about any of these things, or do you have something else that you're struggling with? Since we're in the therapy mode, <laughs> like what else can we help you with? Like what else that do you want to talk about?
2: Um, I feel that one of my biggest struggles right now is getting my work my narrative work um, to reach a mainstream audience. Uh, The Holly shorts is actually the first kind of mainstream festival that I've played bigger festival that I've
0: played. What do you mean when you say mainstream?
2: Uh, So a lot of my stuff has, has to do, I mean, I have characters that are lesbians and gay. I have very diverse characters and, Mm -hmm. Right now the the primarily of my support has been audiences that that are those characters basically mm-hmm. um and they have been unbelievably supportive and fantastic through through my whole the last 2 years. I one of my goals for making my first short film was to create characters that just happen to be gay and they never talk about, you know, coming out or uh, the struggles with it they 're just experiencing a situation that that 's relatable to anybody
0: and right, you 're not making it 's not a lesbian film for lesbians exactly exactly it 's just it 's a film that just happens to have lesbians in it
2: yeah I want to normalize yeah. you know topics or characters um, that you know get get segregated i guess yeah. uh, in society and that 's really important yeah. to me. Uh, just because I, I get labeled, yeah. I'm labeled already. I'm I'm a lesbian woman director, you know, and <laughs> I just want to be a director.
1: Yeah, you just want to be Lisa, I, but not <laughs> other filmmaker. You don't want to be like the you know niche filmmaker, right, blah, right. blah blah blah. You know? and
2: I have I have conversations with a lot of friends about labels and the importance of the importance of labels or the damaging consequences of labels. Right. Uh, I I probably come from the side of I just. Like want to be label free. I just want to create and see what happens and be free. Um, So it's important for my stories to just to reach bigger audiences because I want to normalize, you know, a lot of my stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting because. Like they always tell you, like, find your niche, right? <laughs> like, if you want to, like, you know, you know, reach an audience or you want to, like, you know, excel as a filmmaker, it's important to, to target your, your demographic of who you're trying to reach mm-hmm. or the type of films you're trying to make, at least, you know, and you've sort of fell in, fell into your own niche, but now you're trying to break away from it, uh, which is interesting, you know, but I mean, I, I understand why that's important to you and why that makes sense, but it's, it's interesting that that's the situation. Cause it's usually it's the other way. It's usually it's like, find your, your, your little audi- audience who will be your champion yeah. and everything, you know, but you already have that, which is fantastic. Now it's like, okay, how do I reach everyone else? And I think, yeah, Holly shorts is an amazing play, like amazing thing that you have, um, which will help you do that. And then, you know, like just to, you know, beat a dead horse, uh, online <laughs> release. <laughs> that's where you're, right. that's yeah. where you're going to really reach your audience.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. you get everyone online. But exactly, what do you so out of the forty festivals that you played at, like how many of them are like LGBT festivals?
2: I would say seventy five percent of them.
0: Mm-hmm. And then the other like twenty five percent, did your film play in like a program within that festival that's kind of LGBT yeah. focused?
2: Yeah, most of the time. Uh, interesting. Yep. Wow. So all
0: your audience, yeah. pretty much that comes to see your film, ends up being like people that just want to see those kinds of things. Right.
2: And so I don't think it's so much as like I want to break out of you know, um, making stuff for this audience because I love the audience that I right. have. I you know, it's more I don't want to be separated. I don't want the audience to be right. separated out. You know, I don't <laughs> want the movies I make to be separated right. in, into this category of LGBT. You know, it's especially at a at a festival, that's an international festival for any kind of movie um yeah it feels yeah it feels, it feels you weird. want to just
0: be in the program for like love yeah or comedy yeah exactly yeah.
2: or yeah romantic <laughs> real, yeah romantic comedy or horror <laughs> <Right>. or <laughs> yeah psychological so where,
0: why, what do you think is standing in your way from of reaching a broader audience
2: um that's a good
0: question is it the man the people <laughs> the people running the festival let's let's point the finger at somebody mm. Alric? is yeah. it Alric? <laughs> Is it me? <laughs> you know,
2: that's a really great question. I think I think it's a combination of a lot of things. But I, I think it's... You know, I think what's great about living in the U.S., and there's other countries that do this too, but living in the U.S. is that when... You know, it's a very... We all know what's happening in Hollywood right now. It's not diverse mm-hmm. enough, right? And people right. are angry about it. People are boycotting the Oscars. Yes. They are, you know, they it's it's a if you're not in the film industry, you know what's happening in the film industry hmm. as far as diversity goes there's a lack of diversity there's a lack of diverse storytelling and I think that's really cool because I think you know we we get really angry for a while and we do all these hashtags and social movements <laughs> and yeah and then you start you know and 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 all these programs open up you know for for different people for women um to submit their stories, to get funded and get their stories out there. And then, you know, maybe in five years, we're going to start seeing more diverse stories on the big screen, on TV, everywhere. Right. So Mm
1: -hmm. I think
2: it's a combination of, of having lots of conversations about it, uh, on podcasts on, you know, um, yeah, and it's, it, it's programmers. I think programmers at these festivals have a responsibility to select, you know, good, diverse stories for every festival mm-hmm. and may, and not may label them.
1: Well, I mean, I don't know when the labeling is going to stop, but I, I, I also just think it's like, you know, as long as we keep on telling stories that include these, uh, you know, that are more diverse, right, that either have, you know, uh, just... You know, people of color. Uh, you know, Let's just say
0: people like, that are marginalized that don't their their faces aren't on right. screen as often as just
1: white people. exactly. Which is basically anybody, any anything but like a white straight man or woman. <laughs> basically, anything yeah. besides a white straight man or woman mm-hmm. is is what we should be putting you know right. on the screen as independent filmmakers, right. basically. And- you know, cause that's all you yes. see.
2: And as an example, so I, have been doing South by Southwest. This is my first experience this year and just, just attending it. I'm working a music portion, but I saw, so this is, this is going to be a little ballsy to say on air, but, um, I saw Richard Linklater. He is, he is one of my film gurus. He always has been, mm. I love his work. Um, I, He has a writing partner in L.A. who is this amazing woman. I took some classes from her because she worked with him. Uh, I saw his opening film, Everybody Wants Some, uh, that opened the festival. And I was so angry about this film that I walked out and became a Trump troller. For a night because i didn't know where to wow. put my my anger I, I i went online and just started writing <laughs> comments to people who were supporting trump because i was so angry <laughs> i'm gonna write a, an wow. op-ed about this but
0: yeah i love this wow it
2: was it was basically you know it was just it was a huge cast of white straight men and mm. your token female who maybe says, I don't know, 10 lines in the entire movie, if that, mm-hmm. and a token wow. black baseball player. Mm-hmm. And I know it's wow. representative of his experience in Texas, you know, in the 80s right. or whatever, but if he, he, he has the money and resources to make whatever he wants to make, like yeah. why does, you know, why this story and why, you know, it just, I was.
1: Yeah mix it up you know like why just why don't you just mix it up it doesn't have to be exactly accurate of what the time is just find the best actors for the roles and cast them regardless of anything i think we
0: all we all draw from our experiences and what we can relate to as as the creators of things like i can say that as a a white middle-class suburban like guy that's kind of the stories that just naturally come to my head and the ones that I write about and the ones that I'm drawn to the challenge is to realize that that's what you're doing and to break away from that and and do something different and I think that's what these all all these conversations are really good because it's challenging people to think about it and say all right if this is really going to change we have to really change our mindset and i think chris rock said it really well in the oscars is like it's not like the the racism that's going on and because he was talking mainly about like the whitewashing was it's it's like a sorority racism where it's like oh you know you don't really belong to our sorority and that's what it is it's just that the fact is that most of the people that are making movies are white dudes And so that's what's reflected up there. And until they challenge themselves to tell stories about people that aren't themselves, it's just hard. It's like you look at Woody Allen. Every single one of his movies is about him.
1: Right. You know? Right, So
0: I think that's what it is, is like we draw from but, our but experiences. But just because
1: you're writing about something that's based on a personal experience doesn't mean you have to, like, I'm not going to just cast white people. No, I'm movies, not. I'm just, just saying because, that it's the easy, you know, it's the
0: easy and natural thing to do. And you have to kind of be conscious about it. Like you're consciously choosing to cast black people in your movies, right?
1: Well, you know, partially, like I always just feel like, so like I'm, you know, I live in Oakland, I'm making movies, uh, that take place in Oakland and like, I look around me and everybody is either an interracial couple you know there's like so many interracial couples and so many people like a diverse mix of people in my area yeah. it's like i would be doing myself and oakland a disservice if all the people in my movies yeah. were just yeah well white, that just proves you know. my
0: point is that you're doing it based right. on your own experience so that's and what, a lot that's, of people yeah, are yeah. like my when i went to school there was like two black kids in my high school like so, my experience is that I'm surrounded by white people. So, it, in order to make movies yeah, that aren't, just, but if
1: you were to make a movie that's based off of your like childhood experience or whatever, you don't have to cast it, it like. No, it I was. know, but that's why I'm saying can,
0: like because my experience is so white. I, in order to cast diversity in my films, I I, would, I just have to be very conscious of it. Like because my natural instinct. Mm because I'm trying to reflect the world that uh, and the experience that I've had ends up just being white.
2: And I think that's what is mm. the scary thing to me is that, you know, I, as filmmakers, we should be writing what we know and making things that we know on a certain level. Right. And the work that's being, yeah. you know, portrayed out there is reflective of filmmakers experiences and the fact that it's so white and, and, you know, it mm. it just says so much about the lives that they're living. And so mm. it comes yeah. from our experiences and the light, you know, this, this is, this is, this is how we interact with the world. And this is, and so it's important to live, you know, <laughs> I said this a lot more eloquently yesterday. I'm not even going to force it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's okay.
1: <laughs> I think your point's coming across. I mean, what my, my whole thing that I'm trying to do is just like write my stories, you know, and then just cast whoever and like right. not not try to write it in like a specific way like not try to put in like oh i'm going to make like the you know the token black guy or the token mexican mm-hmm. guy or asian guy or whatever or or girl or woman you know i'm trying to like just write them as as just whatever and then cast you know in a more interesting way and and not just cast right all white people because that's just it just doesn't really interest me you know it's just like it's, it's just
2: yeah what the yeah. fuck
1: you know like let's let's see something yeah, else man yeah. you know yeah
2: and i'm a big fan of of not writing what people look like so much and screenwriting yeah just writing for action yeah. you know and writing for their character unless it's really really specific to the story of what they look like then it's okay, but just just going away with that and then yeah, finding the best actor for the role.
0: And I think looking at your story and just being and, and challenging yourself when you are in casting to say, does okay, is my initial instinct of who this character is doesn't need to be that? So like um, for instance, Ulrich, let's say your movie the alternate, where you have a husband and wife living together. What if they were lesbians? Like, would your story yeah. still work? And if the answer is yes, even if it changes a little bit, if the answer is still yes, like, open it up. Let those people have a voice because it is, you know, Alrick's writing a script about a married couple because he's married. Right. And that's what his experience. But that doesn't mean that his movie has to be about that. It could be about a lesbian couple or a gay couple. And yeah. I think there's... It it wouldn't change anything, It wouldn't change anything, you know? And and then you're giving... You're telling a story that I think has mainstream appeal with characters in it that don't normally get screen time. And that's what's the exciting thing about what's going on right now is that we're trying... I think people are starting to wake up to the fact that you can do that. And you don't have to necessarily write a movie about a black uh, and and be black and like make a movie about black culture or be a lesbian and to understand like what it means just to be human. Like we all have similar feelings no matter who we are, like where we come from. And so it's in the casting that you can make those decisions and it doesn't necessarily need to come in the writing phase. I think as long as your characters are human, you can almost like swap out people, you know, swap out actors into those roles and just give another person a chance to have some screen time. We've, we've seen enough movies with white people. Let's see yeah. some other people. I
2: also think that yeah. having more diverse storytellers, just in general, you know, in the writing stage, uh, is important too. You know, I think yeah, because then you'll hear different sides too. Yeah,
0: right. I mean, I'm talking. The, what I just said is like kind of, kind of talking to people like me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's the other side of things where it's like, "Dope," which I thought was a really amazing movie was is kind of like a John Hughes movie but told from the point of view of like what it would what it's like to experience growing up in black culture and in a low income neighborhood. And I I thought it was so eye opening because it's taking something that I'm familiar with, that kind of John Hughes genre, but putting it in a different context. And right. I really I thought it was awesome. And I and I want to see more stories like that too because it's not my experience and I want to see things that aren't my experience so I can I can learn more about the
1: world.
2: Preach,
1: brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, you know, it's funny that made me think of that movie. Um, uh, I think it's Let the Right One In. the The thing, oh, I love the that movie. movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The and I think it's uh, is it Swedish the mm-hmm. original? Is that right? Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah, but that but that just that was totally like interesting because it was completely different experience that i had no, no relation to because i don't live in europe right obviously and uh yeah it was just really interesting to see that movie and and then of course it's also about you know why well, don't want to ruin it but uh it's really it's an incredible movie it's really yeah, cool i loved it yeah it's great well guys i think we should probably wrap it up is there anything else you want to talk about
2: i don't think so did we do we miss anything
1: we, we did. Was, we missed a couple of things, but I, I think it's okay because the other part of the conversation we had, I think, was really fresh okay. and exciting. And now we have a reason to bring you back for, for another episode
0: yeah, later okay. on. Did I say anything insensitive that I should be embarrassed about?
2: No, but I don't want to – I want you to cut out ballsy when I say ballsy.
1: <laughs> Why? You don't want to no. use the word ballsy?
2: I mean, that's just like a – it's like a <laughs> patriarchal, like, subconscious – I wanna be ballsy, you know, means I wanna man up. I wanna be brave. Like I wanna I wanna be what what's the like equip, female equivalent to that? I wanna
0: Yeah I wanna put you my say. boobs out
2: there. <laughs>
1: yeah. I wanna be boobsy.
2: I wanna be boobsy up here. But, up in this well, house.
1: That's that's interesting. You know, cause, okay, here's a question for you, Lisa, and I don't know if this is an appropriate question, but I want to ask it. Um, since we're talking about this, uh, what do you think about it when, like, women refer to having penises when they don't actually have penises? When they're like, (laughs) you know. What are you talking about? My sister in law is always saying "suck my dick." So, <laughs> yeah. I, what what do you think about that? Is that like what is that? A, it, would that be something you'd be embarrassed to say, or I is think that I like think I've said what that do you before. think of that? But <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> like I said, I. But I just.
2: It depends on the context. Oh, go ahead. You know? it depends on the context of it. I mean. Okay. I don't
1: know. Yeah. She usually says that when she's angry. She's like, ah, oh, you fucking suck my dick. <laughs> like, you know, like she just say that. And I'm like, and to me, I'm just like, wow. Okay. Well, but I don't really know. I just think it's funny. It is interesting. Anything. It's an you know, interesting,
2: this is another episode though. This whole concept, this whole topic, because <laughs> okay. I think if you were to say suck my whatever, that's not a male anatomy, but female anatomy, it feels like more tics. sexual. Right. Yeah, and I think I think that's a problem. I think that's a problem because women are sexualized, and that comes from women being objectified, and that comes from a lot of you know characters that come out of movies because they are objectified. Yeah, and this this is like that instilled you know uh, sexism that happens. So I do have a problem with you know referencing male anatomy in in a way of like. Expressing power or like you know Mm. anything like that because that's that's the things that we need to change. That's the subconscious sexism.
1: What about like when I said take (laughs) life by the balls? Is that is that what is that? Is that okay or is that also the same problem? I think
2: that's the same. You know because is there
1: that's the same. I do think it's
2: the same. I mean I know you. Yeah, it's a it's a touchy subject.
1: Auric, right, you can do better. Yeah, no, I, I I love talking about this because I I, I try to be more conscious. Like I, I I never try to I try never to use the word girls. I always just try to refer to women as women. You know, like I just feel like that's something that I like. Just personally, I believe that it's rude. To, to, to not do that, you know, unless you're actually talking about a uh, a girl who's like 10 right. years old or something. <laughs> but I, but, to, but I've been noticing how often everybody else around me always uses the word girl. Like even mm-hmm. my mom will use the word girl or like other adult. And I'm just like, why, like, why is girl the, like a, like a, just a, you know, switched out term for women. Like right. It just doesn't it yeah. seems weird. I think that's what Lisa was talking like if, about. Like
0: it's the underlying exactly. nature of what those words mean. It's a, it's a right. subconscious thing and the reason we right. use no, exactly. Words, yeah. yeah.
1: But, but I mean, but, but to think about it, like, cause I, I, until now I hadn't really considered like taking the world by the balls, falling into that <laughs> mm-hmm. category. But, but, you're, but you're right. It is kind of the same it's thing. It's a power. You know? Yeah. We should yeah, be more talking co-
2: about power.
1: We should be more conscious of the way that we use these things, you know? Um, well, that, one other thing I wanted to ask you, unless you have something else to say.
2: No, I mean I could talk about this all day, but uh,
1: yeah. The other, because you're talking about Richard Linklater's movie and how like you know whitewashed it is and how angry it made you, and there was no interesting women characters and all that stuff. Um, did you see Creed at all? Did you watch that? I movie? didn't see that. No. So one of the things, besides it just being an awesome movie, uh, the thing that we, m- my wife and I, walked away from was like the the female lead in that movie is. One of the most interesting and powerful female leads in any in any like mainstream movie in a long time, because she doesn't just bow to the to the whims of of the of the lead uh, the male lead. She like has her own like thing going on, and she's strong, and she doesn't take a shit. And it's just like she's got more dimension than most female characters do. And so I was just curious to see if you'd seen that and like what you'd thought about that character, but. You go see Creed and yeah, then I go see me know It's such think. a good movie.
2: No, I haven't seen yeah, that. No. It's awesome. Unfortunately.
1: Yeah, that that was that was what I really wanted to be best pitcher and best director for the year, yeah. but they didn't get nominated because people are yeah. fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it
2: was a, I didn't see a lot of movies that were up for nomination. I, I didn't even want to. were
1: hmm. they were not yeah. I
2: did see Spotlight. Spotlight was actually fantastic. But, I mean, that's a subject, oh, yeah. you know, I that I think we're still scared of talking about in our society. And they did such a great job. I mean, that people were uncomfortable walking out of the theater. Did you guys see that movie?
1: Yeah. No, no. Beth wouldn't go with me. She refused. She said it was just gonna be too nasty and yeah. she didn't want to watch a movie about it. And I was like, I wanted to go by myself. I just didn't get no, it. No, they it.
2: handled it very well. It was so it was it was incredible.
1: But well, I think we had a nice little end of this conversation. <laughs> I like we sp- mixed it up a little bit. Um, do you have anything else you guys want to talk about? Any other things? Oh, we need to plug Lisa's all. We Lisa's need to plug Lisa's work. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> So what, what, where can we find you, Lisa? Where can we watch all your movies? Uh, you
2: could find, I, I keep my, uh, my website updated, lisadonato.com. I started my own film studio company and creative agency with my film partner, cinematographer and editor, Jeffrey Schwinghammer. You can find us at sparklemotionfilms.com. Uh, Vimeo is where we house our most recent videos and where we make our films public when we're ready to make them public. I have two short films that I made last year, Sugar Hiccup and Reclaiming Pakistan, that are still touring the film festival circuit, and we put our dates on our website as well. Uh, I directed and co-wrote a short film called Spunkle. It's about a brother who becomes a sperm donor for his wife's sister that stars Fazia Mirza, Laura Zak, and Jake Matthews, executive produced by Nabila Rashid. I wrote and produced another short film about a woman who is debilitated by the harrowing cycles of binge eating disorder, that was directed by Leila Batton and stars Christy Slogger. Uh, both of those are going to be released to the film festival circuit uh, this year. And finally, I I co-wrote my first feature film with my spirit animal Fazia Mirza. It's called Signature Move, and it's about uh, a Pakistani American Muslim woman who finds release in worldwide wrestling and falls in love with a latin woman that is getting uh produced in chicago later this summer and fall
1: awesome so. just a few not not a lot going on <laughs> just, a, a, so just just a couple small projects you know, and there. A little you this know. And all that
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, yeah slow down lisa oh my gosh
2: yeah, focus. Well, we
0: didn't. Yeah, we didn't get to one know, of your struggles, which was 20 minutes One time thing I didn't say
1: yesterday, but I want to say now, is thought. just that like Holy the amount crack. of work you're doing and how focused you are is really inspiring to to me as a filmmaker. You know, and it, it helps me push myself forward and be like, okay, I can, I can make another movie. I can do this. I I can strive for my dreams because you know, look at Lisa and what she's doing with her with her stuff. And so,
2: thank you. You
1: know, just wanted to let you know that. Yeah, your energy is, is amazing uh, and it's infectious. Thank you, you very know? much. That means a lot. Yeah, yeah, and it sucks that you don't live here anymore. I know. Man, you know, I know, yeah. You moved away, and I'm Keep like, oh god, damn. We should, we should just
2: like do a meet, an <laughs> uh, online meetup. You know, like once a month yeah, or something.
1: Absolutely. Because
2: <laughs> I love yeah, your energy too. I, I would say the same thing about you. Um, so I, oh, miss, I miss that positivity.
1: We all need a little bit of positivity, right? Yeah, you know, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> someone to crush your soul, Timothy. Will, will, if you ever will need negative, you. negativity, you <laughs> no, I'll, I'll be,
2: I'll be in the bay soon. Actually, we should go get drinks, all of us.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, that'd be a lot of fun.
2: Okay.
1: Um. All right. Well, I'll take us out now. So yeah, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Here. If please you like the out. show, please tell your friends about us, or you can just leave a review on iTunes, and we'll read it on the show, like we always do. Or you can check out our website, makingmoviesishard.com, where you can subscribe to our show notes and share your thoughts on this episode and all the other episodes. Or you can be uh, one of the the few uh, and proud to send us an email at podcast at com, and we can share that on the show. So thanks so much for listening, and thank you, Lisa, for being on the show. It's been such a pleasure to have you.
2: Thank you, guys.
1: Yeah, and thank you, Timothy, as always, for being the best (laughs) co-host.
2: And now I'm gonna yeah. leave you with a beatbox.
1: Thank you, Ulrich, and thanks,
0: Lisa. Uh, it's been fun.
2: That's all. That's all I got. It's a white girl's beatbox. Oh wickle wickle brickle world.